When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The reviews are in. Google's Pixel 6 lineup has all the key components of being a true competitor with the likes of Samsung and maybe even Apple. But is the combination of Google Tensor, long battery life, and Android 12 going to be enough? I'm Jason Cipriani with Jason Perlow, and on this episode of Jason Squared, we're going to discuss Google's latest smartphone ambitions. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Jason. So I know you ordered a Pixel 6, not the 6 Pro, and are waiting for it to arrive. Is the anticipation killing you? Well, you know, I almost did not. I almost decided not to go with a Pixel this year uh, because I have other Android 12 phones I can play with. Uh, but it's normally, you know, when, I, when we get into the, the Android beta cycle that I really want a Pixel because... That's when we start because the priority is on Pixel for that for that test um, season, so to speak, and that won't come until later of next year. Right. But, uh, the price was right. I thought that six hundred dollars was a good price for that phone, um, the, the the regular uh, Pixel Six version, um, for my testing purposes as I as a as a main Android you know daily driver in addition right. to my my big iPhone. So I thought the price was right. And that's still the deal. And, and honestly, that's what should do that for most of their customers, I think. I think people that are now looking at Samsung phones to upgrade and other things out there, OnePlus, what have you, uh, with the this price at this at the was it that what was it five hundred ninety nine dollars? I don't remember the exact it was yeah, uh, five ninety nine for the Pixel Six, eight ninety nine for the six pro. Yeah, I mean that's. Not, I mean, I think I think the the eight ninety nine is not bad either. I just didn't need another oh. megaphone. You know, uh, the 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 six the, the five ninety nine. I thought was fine for 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 given the hardware and specs uh, on that they have in that particular phone. So, absolutely. So you went through the order process on pre order day, which was a catastrophe. So did it was you? A to- you ended it was up, an absolute mess. Yeah. You ended up getting your order placed though, right? I did very late in the day. I think I tried it like a hundred times before that the actual transaction could go through. Yeah. Yeah. Their store completely crashed. It, it, you know, Google, it, I mean, it's a search giant and is known for its web, you know, Gmail calendar, all that stuff. Right. And, and uh, for their store to crash, either they just weren't prepared at all, or there were a lot of people very interested in the pixel six. Uh, lineup itself. So yeah, I think everybody that day had some issues ordering it. Um, so let's let's kind of take a step uh, back and talk about what exactly is included in the 6 and the 6 Pro. So this is the debut of Google's first system on a chip or processor. Yep. Uh, and, and Samsung manufactures it. Uh, but this is a Google Tensor processor system on a chip that's inside. We've done a show on this before to differentiate between the two and, and talk about Tensor itself. But uh, we now know Samsung developed or uh, manufactures it. It's developed by Google, designed by Google, and has a huge emphasis on artificial intelligence and machine learning and also computational photography, which is a big deal for Pixel phones. They've been known for their, their camera quality and their picture quality 
from day one, more or less. Um, so here's, I have the Pixel 6 Pro and the Pixel 6. I have both of them. I have not used the 6 very much uh, because I was reviewing the 6 Pro off the bat. And so some general observations I made during my time using it as far as Tensor is involved is this is a fast phone and there are really no performance issues at all that I experienced as far as launching apps or even like the Google Assistant voice dictation has been sped up incredibly fast now. Uh, Assistant overall is improved. It's a lot smarter. And there's, there's some magical features, and I use the word magical loosely because it's in the name of one of the features, and it's called Magic Eraser. Uh, it's, it's a camera feature on the 6 and 6 Pro that can um, do what Photoshop does just on an easier scale, uh, or easier yeah, scale, I guess is the right word, for everyday users, and that is you can highlight objects and remove them from photos. And so um, there's a lot of, like I said, artificial intelligence and machine learning that goes into that, and that's enabled by Tensor. My experience with the eraser, Magic Eraser, is it's hit or miss. You have to take exactly the right kind of photo and have the right kind of background, and you know it has to be done mm -hmm. just right in order for it to get it right, to make it appear like something was never there, um, and or otherwise you're left with blurry lines, and you can it's obvious that the picture was manipulated in some way. Yeah, these kind of software tricks can be kind of interesting. Like, I mean, like on the iPhone, you have that special studio lighting effect that's done, uh, you know, when you take portrait photos and stuff where you can completely erase the backgrounds for stuff. That doesn't work all the time. You know, again, as these algorithms get better, um, you know, and they have more of a sample of things that they can look at, you know, I mean, then they can do more intelligent uh, decisions uh, on the fly localized on the chip. So, I mean, a lot of this machine learning stuff is going to be dependent on sample, right? That exists in the cloud. Uh, it's ability to interact with the cloud um, using, you know, these specific um, machine learning APIs that the Tensor has access to that other phones don't. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a hybrid, you know, kind of a split brain approach. You know, you have what the processor on the phone can do. Uh, it's ability to analyze data on the phone and then being able to communicate with Google's cloud and to do offloaded processing. So um, that's something that Google can uniquely do with its own hardware that other manufacturers cannot when you're running Android. Yeah, so Google announced Magic Eraser, I think it was two years ago at Google I.O., yeah. maybe 2019. Uh, it might have been even longer than that, but I think 2019 is the right year. And then it kind of disappeared. And their demo when they first announced it was, uh, taking a picture of a kid playing baseball through a chain link fence and using the feature, you could erase the chain link fence and have just yep. a photo of the child playing baseball out on the field. I think he was pitching or, or maybe batting. I don't, I don't remember exactly. And then it looked fantastic. It looked amazing. And, and just like, oh my God, we're actually going to be able to do this on our phones. And then we never heard about it until Tensor and the Pixel 6. So um, it's very good for a first generation product, but it's it's not what they promised. If you go back to that original demo, I could not imagine taking a picture through a chain link fence, how that would end up looking. It would be a mess. I guarantee it. So one thing I noticed when testing the Pixel 6 Pro um, is I actually ran some benchmarks uh, and compared it to the Microsoft Surface Duo 2 which has a Snapdragon 888 processor. And I compared it also to the iPhone 13 Pro Max, which has Apple's A15 Bionic processor, or A15 processor. Um, 
the tensor processor scored the lowest out of all three of them, and it wasn't even close. Like, it was really low, which would make you think that it was actually very slow. So Pixel 6 Pro single core score was 963, multi-core was 2607. Hmm. 13 Pro Max was 1732 for single core and 4673 yeah. for multi, which is practically double the speed of the Pixel 6 Pro. Yep. Whereas the Duo 2 didn't fare as well, which is expected for Snapdragon 888 uh, at 1106 and 3520. So roughly, uh, I don't know, that's a lot of math. I would say 50% boost in uh, performance over Tensor. But again, using the device, you would never know that the benchmark scores were that low. And you, you certainly cannot tell. There's no sluggishness. There's no hiccuping. Any, anything you do is, is processed right away. Uh, and so, look, the, the focus wasn't on performance. Google has said this up front, focus isn't on performance. We don't want to open fa apps faster than anyone else or whatever. Right. It's machine learning and AI and, and the computational photography that we're focused on. And it, even if the performance wasn't a focus, it, it still comes through when using the device. So if you look at, and I'm talking to the listeners, if you're looking at benchmarks online and you're getting discouraged by what you see uh, and you have one on order and you're waiting for it to arrive, don't get discouraged. From firsthand experience, this phone is incredibly fast and smooth. And I was really impressed. And the score surprised me because I didn't run them until I was writing the review. So this was after a week of using the phone. And I expected iPhone 13 Pro Max-like scores when I ran them. So it was a little surprising to me that they were so low. So you'll be surprised. Uh, one other area I think we should talk about before we dive into like the, the camera and stuff, Perlo, is the 5G confusion that Google created. Yeah, I'm still confused. With, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people are, and it's in, this is Google's own doing. Uh, they, they came out, you know, we, we had the announcement and they talked about 5G support for 6 and 6 Pro. Millimeter width support is there, but it's not all phones are created equal as far as the Pixel 6 goes. 6 Pro, buy the phone from wherever you want. You're going to get millimeter wave and sub-6 support out of the box. You don't have to worry about it. You're paying the extra money. They're giving you both. You're good to go. The Pixel 6, though, is a little different. And I know this was a bit of a surprise to you just a few minutes ago. So here's how it breaks down after Google published a support document explaining everything. So if you buy the Pixel 6 from Google Fi, Unlocked, which is directly from Google, or T-Mobile, you'll have only sub-6 5G. So that's the 5G network that is maybe a little bit faster than 4G LTE at times, sometimes yeah. a lot faster, but you're going to have less network congestion and it's just going to be a better overall experience. So it's a good thing, but it's not the super fast two gigs per second that you know carriers like to show off. However, if you buy the Pixel 6 from directly from AT&T or Verizon, you'll get both millimeter wave and sub six. Those two devices are also more expensive. I believe Verizon is charging around $50 to $100 more for their Pixel 6 and AT&T is charging $40 more for their Pixel 6 and they're justifying it by the millimeter wave edition, which is even adds more to the confusion. So Here's my best advice. If you're going to buy the standard Pixel 6, buy it directly from your carrier. That way you're getting 
the proper support for whatever 5G network and connectivity that they're going to offer. Yep. Unlocked is always the way I recommend to go, but in this case, it's it's a little different. So what happened to you, Perlo? Well, um, I, I bought the, the unlocked version because I always buy the unlocked version. I always buy it directly from you know, Google's Pixel Store. Um, I didn't realize that, that, that there's more than one flavor of the Pixel. You know, when I buy an iPhone, I buy from Apple, you expect it to work on every single carrier exactly the same way because there is no difference between the iPhone unlocked as it, as it lives on any other carrier versus what carrier is selling it directly. It's the same, it's the same phone, identical phone. So having a, 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 a phone that is a different flavor on different carriers is, is weird. Um, it also introduces some strange problems with resale because like, for example, um, I could get that AT&T version of that phone, but then when I try to resell it on Swappa uh, a year from now, when I'm going to want to do that, um, it, it may not be as desirable a phone to sell as the, um, as the unlocked. So, so, I mean, I'm going with a phone that's less theoretically less capable because it doesn't have the, um, that, that, um, that, that, that millimeter wave capability, which fr right. frankly, where I live, I'll never see it. I'll, there's just, yeah, there's I mean no plans to unroll. There's no plans to, to, to roll that out anywhere near where I live. But it's still an it's still something that 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 annoys me that 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 they're that they're doing something like this that they're not all exactly the same phone uh, uh, no right. matter what you know I mean you're paying for that service regardless right you're you're still yes. paying for five G you should be able to take advantage of whatever five G network and connectivity let's say you go to a sporting event and they have millimeter wave there you should be able to take advantage of it you're paying for it might as well use it but if you don't buy from your carrier in AT and T and Verizon's case you're not going to be able to take advantage right. of it. Where I live, we still don't even have 5G on AT&T. So it, like, wow. I get this and I get the frustration, but it's it doesn't make any difference to me because millimeter wave is so far off in my area. And because we don't even have standard sub six 5G yet. But, you know, it is what it is. And that's been the 5G rollout from the last four or five years. All right, so let's dive into the camera, because I think with Pixel phones, this is a huge deal for Pixel users in general. Yep. Is Like I said earlier, Pixel has always been known to be one of the best smartphone cameras on the market, except for the last couple of years. It's really felt like Google has just kind of phoned in, and that's no pun intended there, uh, the camera as well as the, desi the design and devices themselves. But this year, that's all changed. And Google did quite a bit because of Tensor is what they're saying with the camera. So on the 6 Pro, they have a 50 megapixel main camera and that uh, has quad bare binding that goes along with it. So it's 150% more light that it is able to um, receive when you press that shutter button. So your photos are gonna look a lot better. The 12 megapixel, 114 degree ultra wide camera and a 48 megapixel telephoto lens with up to 4X optical zoom. So that's on the 6 Pro, which is, I mean, Look, that's a massive camera, and that's what I'm going to speak about here because that's the one I've used. But Pixel's back. Pixel camera is back. This camera took some pretty amazing photos. I don't include all of them in the review because they are uh, family members. I went to a, um, a birthday party, a family member's birthday party while testing this phone, and I took a lot of portrait mode photos during that time of, you know, candid shots and whatnot. And I, I captured this photo of my niece eating ice cream and cake. 
and it is the most adorable photo. And it is something that I didn't even have to think about capturing. And it's something that I think the iPhone probably would have done a good job as well. The iPhone 13 Pro uh, would have done a good job with as well. But where I saw the biggest improvement here from Google with its algorithms, especially in portrait mode, was in defining and differentiating between foreground and background. And more specifically with like photos of people with crazy hair, you know, it, the iPhone still struggles with this a bit. And that is the hair is either blurred out because it thinks it's in the background or the area around the hair isn't blurred out when a, in a portrait mode photo because it thinks it's the foreground. And so there's a, it looks, you can tell it's hundred percent artificial and it's very easy to spot, but the photos I took with the 6 Pro while testing it came out really well. Um, if anything, they're maybe a little too saturated at times, and that's only looking at them on the Pixel 6's screen though, which is weird because, uh, you know, I had it at natural setting for the vibrancy and uh, yeah, it, like the red hue and the pink tint to the photos came out a little stronger on the Pixel 6 display, but when I load them on my Mac or even look at them on my iPhone, they look a little bit more realistic and natural to life. Uh, but, and yeah, it's like the pixel six camera is, or the six pros camera is great. Uh, I don't have any issues with it. Unlike last year's pixel five was just kind of, eh, it's the same yeah. thing they've done all along. Um, what are you looking forward to using the most? So, you know, my, most of my photography, I do a lot of food photography and with food, you have to use natural light. Um, you don't ever want to use a flash when you're doing food because of the, the moisture content in food. You get that reflection that bounces off and it looks plasticky and, 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 and nasty. Um, I also do tend to do it in uh, when I'm using natural light in uh, not in like full lit settings. I like to use like, you know, light coming out of um, of uh, the windows, you know, so like, you know, in lower light situations as well. In a restaurant, you know, typically in a nicer restaurant, uh, you know, they have muted light settings and you're not going to use a flash inside a restaurant when other people are eating in a lower light setting. So I want to see lower, lower light performance uh, on this camera. And I expect that, you know, with their night mode capabilities, they probably enhanced and some other things they're doing, plus the larger sensor, the larger 50 megapixel sensor, which I believe is already is, is, is still on the, uh, the lower end model. They just don't have that, that telephoto version, I believe. Um, the the larger sensor is going to make a huge difference uh, in its ability to capture light. Um, you know, not so much the number of pixels, but you know, the the, the larger sensor uh, is right. going to make a big difference. Um, so that I'm really looking forward to quite a bit. Yeah, the uh, so the Pixel Six, just so listeners know, has two cameras instead of three. Like you said, you're correct. 50 megapixel main camera and the 12 megapixel ultra wide so what it loses is that 4x telephoto Got which that. by the way i didn't even mention the uh the there's a 20x super res zoom feature kind of like the galaxy s20 and s21's what did they call it space zoom or whatever it was yeah. uh also on the pixel 6 pro i messed with it a little bit i'm i wasn't too impressed with the 20x portion of it the 4x telephoto is key like that's it's clutch. It, it, you're able digital to get... zoom is always going to be inferior to to to, to physical op actual optics. I mean, that's just absolutely, it is what absolutely. It is, yeah. But Google likes to say that their machine learning is is really good, and, and while in some scenarios, I'm sure it does a great job. You're not going to want to use digital zoom. You're going to want to rely on that 4x optical, which is you know standard 
no machine learning applied there, no digital correction or anything like that. So it, it works really good. Um, let's see, what else do we need to talk about? We need to talk about Android 12, which I think is a huge highlight of what the Pixel 6 is. And granted, other Pixel devices are getting Android 12, but I think the combination of Tensor and Android 12 kind of complete the package and, and the promotional value or the value of the 6 and 6 Pro and solidify it as a true iPhone contender and at least laying the groundwork for it in a lot of ways. And, you know, so Android 12 has a lot of design changes, probably the biggest design change we've seen to Android ever. It's going to look a lot different when it reaches your phone, um, depending on your phone manufacturer. Of course, Samsung is taking this sort of middle of the road approach with its design. But the, the new material you design is, to me, it's fascinating because it's, it's almost fun to use and see. There's little animations throughout it. Uh, like, for example, when you tap the sleep or wake button, the display itself almost minimizes into the button. So it either light starts to light up and come out of the button when you wake your device or it starts to go black and shrink into the button itself. And the apps have the same sort of animation as well. All of them, again, are fluid, performance is strong. But then you get into the material you stuff that changes colors based on your wallpaper or your, your background, your home screen background. And your app icons change colors, the app drawer, the, the quick settings panel. There's little, little areas of thought and influence that normally would go unnoticed that Google is, is starting to pay attention to here. And it makes, and this is going to sound weird, but it almost makes Android fun to use again. Back like when it first launched and it was really like blocky, it was, it was fun then because it was different. And now it's fun because it's, it's more animated and it's, it all, it's more interactive. If you move, for example, the weather widget around, Google's new weather widget around on your home screen, the color of the widget is based on the color of that particular section of your wallpaper. Yeah. So if, if it's on a, uh, an ocean, it's going to have like a light blue tint to it. Or if you move it to the beach, it's going to have a tan look to it. And it's a lot of fun to use. And I know I keep saying that, but it, it truly is and. and the interactive level of it. And I know you've used Android 12, but not on a Pixel yet, right? Not on a Pixel yet. On, uh, on two other manufacturers uh, from China, but not, not on a Pixel itself. Uh, but I will say that it, it, it does seem to be a, a big improvement in a lot of areas. Now, where I'm really interested in, with, specifically with the Pixel, is where in Google's actual apps does Tensor come into play? You know, when, when, where are their hooks into the machine learning capabilities of that chip from things like, you know, Google Photos? Um, obviously, the camera app itself, right, is, is specific to the Pixel implementation, I, I believe, in, for, for Android. Um, and, you know, where, where else is that chip's machine learning going to be accessed? Uh, you know, from, from, from Google's line of applications? Um, do we see it in the weather app? Do we see it in other widgets? Um, Will Gmail take advantage of it for any way? You know, some of these, some of these other things, um, you know, I'm curious where those hooks exist that, that are, are going to allow the Pixel to continue to differentiate as opposed to these other phones, which may have to do certain things in pure software, you know? Uh, right. You know, to, uh, so that's, that's where I, I want to know, you know, where those hooks are. I, I think Google needs to publish those APIs and say this is where these things uh, you know, require a machine learning processor to hook in, you know, um, 
I, I mean, because it is supposed to be an open cloud ecosystem for all their, app, for their, their cloud apps that use Android. So the question is, are these APIs, generic APIs that any machine learning processor can use? Or is it something that only the tensor can use, right? So that, that's something I, I, I think needs to be established um, going forward. Yeah, some of the areas that I noticed it outside of the camera and photos app is in, in the phone app itself. And now Google's had yeah, call screening call screening yeah. for a while now. And which means that if you get a phone call, you can let Google Assistant answer it for you and it'll actually screen the call. You could tap buttons on the display to interact with the caller. <laughs> and, you know, it, you basically you have a personal assistant answer the phone for you to get rid of, you know, the spam calls that we all deal with on a daily basis uh, or at least nearly daily basis. Uh, but they've expanded that now and they have the wait for me or hold for me, whatever feature it's, I forget the name. But if you call a business's 1-800 number, you can now have Google Assistant wait on hold for you. And when someone actually picks up the phone, uh, it'll ring on your end. And so you can then talk to someone. So you're not sitting there listening to hold music for 30 minutes. So that's been out for a year, year and a half now. They've taken it one step further now. And instead of you having to sit there and press, listen to the phone tree menu, you know, where it says press one for this, press two for that. You can actually view the options on your phone screen and you could say, I need help with billing or I have to activate a line or I have an outage and you tap on the buttons there for that. So that's one new feature. You don't have to actually hold the phone up to your ear, take it down and use the number pad. You're actually in, in live you know, real time, it's able to figure out what the phone tree menu is and display it on your display so you can just tap the screen. But the other one I thought was really interesting is they are now integrating when you call a business's 1-800 number. So, and they, and they included right. a few examples, which one of them was the IRS phone number or no, the passport office phone number. So if you need to get a new passport, renew your passport. Um, you start to dial that number, eventually it recognizes what you're calling. And on the display in your phone, in the phone app, it shows you the estimated wait time based on the time of day and the day of week when you're calling. So if you're calling at you know 8 a.m. on a Monday, wait time is crazy because everyone's gone the weekend and they realize they need a passport or they have an issue and, and so wait times are long but it's just like when you go look up a, a business on google maps and you can see how busy the business is and you see that bar graph that shows you when it when you should go or shouldn't go um, and what an estimated wait time is it's the exact same approach but they're doing it in real time on your phone just from you dialing the phone number. So there are a lot of other areas that outside of the obvious examples of the camera and photos app where this tensor and machine learning are coming into play. And phone app is the last place I expected to see yeah. it. But I mean, I dialed a Comcast phone number. I dialed a lot of random phone numbers or started to dial them just to see what would happen. And that it was lightning fast how, how quick that information came up and was displayed. And it, yeah, in Again, voice dictation through the Google keyboard was also sped up incredibly fast. And it's very accurate now. And it does punctuation for you, little things like that. So, Jason, let me bring up the um, the, the dark, the black mirror uh, aspect of this. Um, we now have a machine learning processor that's extremely powerful on this phone. And you can see that there's certain types of voice analysis capabilities that are built into this that Google has access to. Now, what, what's 
if you if if we can do that in the phone app, why can't we do voice stress analysis in the app on the fly? For example, why can't the phone tell you this person is lying? This person sounds angry. This person sounds upset. Uh, while you're one, either listening to a voicemail or two on the fly, having that conversation with somebody. Yeah. Um, uh, that seems to be something that is quite possible. Oh, I with mean, right, Amazon with, already with, does it you, on with, your with wrist. Right, with, yeah, with the right type of teaching uh, occurring to the app. Um, you know, I, you'd have to build up, you'd have to build up that, 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 that expert systems profile for that, but it's, it sounds like it's very possible to do that. Well, yeah, Amazon does it with their halo band. They've done right. it for the last couple of years with far less powerful and probably far less smarter technology. Uh, and so uh, there's nothing stopping Google from doing that. And I don't know if I, I mean, I don't talk on the phone that often, but would that information be helpful for a business who's dealing with customer complaints or customer issues? Absolutely. I, I don't, maybe it would be a good thing, I, but I, it's a slippery slope, right? It's a slippery slope argument. How far is too far with what machine learning and, and AI can do and tell us about our interactions with other people and where, where's that line that's gone, you know, once you cross it, you've gone too far. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I, so let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that is, does the pixel matter now? Like, and I know you don't have one yet, so you, your opinion probably uh, can't be fully formed quite yet. But like, Google is, has made a big deal about its pixel line over the years. And, and for the last few years, like I said earlier, it felt like they were kind of mailing it in, phoning it in. And now they have the groundwork for a true iPhone competitor. And I truly, after using the 6 Pro uh, for the last 10 days, feel that the Pixel 6 Pro is the iPhone of the Android world right now. At least the groundwork is there for it. But there are a lot of missteps. For example, the 5G rollout on the Pixel 6 and the 5G yeah. explanation on the Pixel 6. Can Google finally start putting pressure, let's just stay within Android for now, on Samsung and be a true competitor in the smartphone industry? Or is this still a niche product for people who happen to see a commercial or a billboard and actually think, huh, I wonder what that is? Or are they just going to keep buying the next Galaxy S whatever is released? So, you know, this is sort of a, a balancing act that Google now has to play that Apple has never, ever had to play. Apple has always been proprietary in their software, proprietary in their hardware, fully controlled their ecosystem. They tell the carriers what to do. You cannot carry this phone unless you, you meet these specific requirements of us when you're selling it and, and all these other things. Google, you know, is an open source company in terms of, you know, the Android operating system that's being developed in the wild that requires community participation. They allow anyone to use it, right? Um, and with the exception of what has to be licensed if you're going to produce a, you know, an, a, a, a Google authorized, you know, Android device with the placer and all that stuff, there are certain rules that, right. uh, you know, not just carriers have to follow, but the manufacturers have to follow. Now, these are things that, you know, the antitrust organizations, you know, in various world governments are looking at. The EU is looking at it. The United States government is looking at it from a potential antitrust perspective. Um, antitrust, you know, they're also looking at Apple for, for very similar, you know, controlling type reasons. Um, so can you, can you be an open source company and say, hey, everyone can use it? 
and you add your value add to it while at the same time withholding functionality and things like that specifically to tensor's chip and and other things that exist specifically on pixel at the same time right um microsoft kind of sort of does this with um surface by having their own hardware but it is the same windows 10 more or less that everybody else uses right so it's it's a tough call right i mean i mean to to fully um exploit the pixel you have to have these reserved features to make it a special phone um is that something that they can do you know while not upsetting their their partners like samsung and others i don't know um it's it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough thing to do i think at the price point that it's at it's an attractive phone a very attractive phone when you compare it to the samsung and some of the other and quite a few of the other things that you know have been in that price point for the last five or six years you know right i don't know if i would even consider uh, a one plus at this point with 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 the oh. pixel 6 being at, at 599 dollars. i don't know if i would i would consider most of the s21s at 599 dollars um, you Even know, so eight ninety nine for the pro. That's that's better than most. The S twenty one Ultra is what a thousand bucks, not on sale. So yeah, I mean, you 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 might look at certain things like memory and some of the and and some of the other stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, this is a phone that's going to be updated for three years, right? Uh, on on Google's program, and you will get that that update on time every year. You will get the the the, the bug fixes on time every year. Um, and and any other you know app improvements are going to be prioritized incrementally on that phone all the time. They're, you know you're going to see the latest version of Gmail. You're going to see the latest version of Photos. You're going to see all that stuff updated first on the Pixel because that is what they are developing with internally. That's their that is their their benchmark. Their um, you know developer device. So right. For, from a consumer perspective, I want to see all those things first as somebody who is, is someone who likes to play with new technology. So is do have they had a lot of missteps up to this point? Yes. Do I believe it can it, it can be a product that is successful and there will be industry uptake? Also, yes, but they need to be able to manufacture enough of them. They need to be able to get their, you know, uh, their carrier distribution deals correctly. If they screw up on the carrier reseller side, that's going to hurt the experience for everybody. If, 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 if the direct sales thing with the 5G and all that kind of stuff isn't resolved, that's also going to upset people if they don't have access to some of the newer uh, network technology that's available. So there's still stuff they need to, left need to fix. But does it have potential? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, I, I agree. So like I said, the groundwork's here. The Pixel 6 Pro and Pixel 6 are two of the best Android phones I've ever used. And that includes... You know, older pixels, which I've always enjoyed using up until the last couple of years and Samsung's phones. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited that it, it finally feels like Google is truly taking the pixel and line and its hardware ambition seriously. And I'm basing that off of Tensor and the new new design and the improved cameras and actually, you know, putting some effort into all of this and not just relying on software tricks to make up for shortcomings. Although there still are several software tricks involved here. Uh, but I, I think it's a better overall experience than what Samsung offers right now. And at the prices, which are their launch prices, not their sale prices. And Google does quite a bit of its own promotions and own sales 
after a device fully launches. Remember, these devices are still up for pre-order. You know, they're supposed to be shipping, I think, starting tomorrow uh, or, or somewhere, sometime this week. And so we haven't even got to the point where Google starts discounting these or carriers starts discounting these. There's a lot of work to be done here, though, for them to compete. They need to secure prime real estate inside right. carrier stores. And, you know, where Samsung used to be, that needs to be where the Pixel is. And, 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 and honestly, to... this is just the phone ecosystem we're talking about here, right? The other 800-pound gorilla room is iPad. Um, and, you know, and also watch, right? So, you know, they, the, the integrations between all that stuff, um, look, we haven't seen a Pixel uh, tablet in years. This Pixel Slate was the last thing they launched and they killed it and they haven't launched another Pixel tablet since. Uh, you know, and, and what, what's going on with their, their Chromebook ecosystem, you know, they need to kind of rationalize where all this stuff fits in that ecosystem. Yeah. I think now with the tensorship, there is potential for a new Pixel tablet. Um, and quite frankly, I have not been impressed with Android tablets, even, even Samsung's um, in the last several years. So there is still work, you know, uh, in this area uh, for, for other form factors to be, you know, for, for, you know, Google's version of Android for their products to, to, to be, to be used. There's, there's other areas where they can touch on this. Certainly. I, I think that, you know, they're, they're streaming, product is fantastic for the price point. I think that the, um, the, the, the Google TV is a great product. Uh, there could hopefully they continue to enhance it and that the integrations with pixel, uh, you know, become more, frankly, I haven't looked at it heavily in, you know, uh, a couple of months, you know, cause I've been playing with Android TV. I'm playing with Apple TV, uh, in my living room. Um, you know, yeah. I have, I have, I have my, my Google, uh, my Android TV hooked up to my bedroom, uh, television, which I haven't been watching as much, but you know, now that with, with the, with the pixel coming out, I want to see what those integrations look like with Android 12. Yeah. There's a new remote app in Android 12 to work with Google TV. I think that is on par with the Apple TV, um, integration into iOS 15 that we have now. So if, if you're listening and you're going to end up with the Pixel device, we'd love to hear from you and hear your thoughts on uh, what you think of, of your Pixel 6 or 6 Pro after using it for a little bit. Uh, you can figure out how to, or you could find how to reach us on ZDNet.com. Just look up our author profiles. We're on, you know, direct access to email or Twitter there. Um, and yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Perlo, any last final thoughts on the 6 Pro? Or six? No, my man. Hopefully, should get here in a few days, and um, I can't wait to switch my sim over to it and all my apps and stuff, and start really playing with it. I mean, I really want to play with that camera and start taking some cool, uh, you know, food shots. You know, I got some pizzas I need to bake in the next couple of weeks. Lots of pizzas because uh, I'm working on a pizza article. So um, there, there will be lots of close-up pizza shots, Jason. I'll, I'll be sending your way that you can tell me uh, what mistakes <laughs> I'm making in my baking because I know you do quite a lot of that. Um, <laughs> I look forward to it. Yeah, I'm. I, you look, I, I plan on using the 6 Pro quite a bit over the next few months. So I'm Jason Cipriani. And I'm Jason Perlow. And this is Jason Squared. Thanks for listening. We truly appreciate it. Hope you have a great day. Make sure to check out more of our work at ZDNet.com.